Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy and friends are resting this week and will return next week. However, we have a leader from our local church community giving today's message. Welcome, whoever joined us online or in person. I want to give you a moment to quiet your heart as we practice 30 seconds of silence and solitude so that we can hear our own hearts and mind and we can prepare to hear from the Lord, whether you're a seeker or believer, to hear and to make sense of faith. In a moment, we'll exhale. Everyone exhale. Just all those automatic ruminating thoughts that might be weighing down your mind and heart this season. The Bible says, cast your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. And inhale the sweet presence of God, his transcending peace, that promise that when we supplicate our anxieties to him, he will give us rest. So, There are two things I want to do as we end in prayer, and uh, our lay leader, Stu, still comes up and gives us the word, and Elijah, powerful sermon on the weirdness of of living your calling. Um, First, I want to pray for the NYU Care Package event. They're doing uh, a massive amount of mobilization for this, uh, uh, you know, raising mental health awareness. the packages are usually gone within the first 30 minutes or so. Everyone's clamoring to get one of those things. I, I didn't even get one last year. <laughs> but uh, I want to pray for that event. I want God's hand a blessing to be on it. Second thing is, the books, uh, it's still five and a half months to the official release. But the books are here today. So if you pre-ordered with my publisher, we made a partnership. If you pre-ordered a copy on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles, you can pick up a copy today at the bookstore after the end of the service. What we ask uh, for this is to build support. Yes, there's a lot of uh, momentum. Tell someone next to you the ah movement. Yes, and if you're smart enough to understand that, uh, I didn't make that up. My wife made that up. Ah. It's an all-holy haunting abbreviation. So we want people on the campuses, and we want people in our families and our friends to say, ah, I see what you mean about Jesus. I see what you mean about faith. And so the awe movement is growing. It is going to every ministry center in the Ivy League plus Stanford. We allow Stanford in that. And um, just kidding. And um, But... God is opening doors, and so what we need from the ground is we need a support from readers that get on it and you know, get their arms around it early, uh, read it and review it, and go on Goodreads particularly, which is owned by Amazon, and begin to get ready to review the book on Goodreads, and then at the release date, April 11th, write a review, because we need... 100 to 50 reviews in the beginning of the launch date 
for it to be start you know promoting by Amazon by itself. And now Harris doesn't work there anymore, so we can't cheat our way. Um, so that's what uh, we're doing. The publisher and I are are giving you the book unless it's for free to read if you pre-ordered, so that we can begin to create uh, you know support in the trenches. So books are a, a, you know a horrible business in many ways, and that's why it's very difficult to get published. S many authors who are published from major houses may sometimes only sell 100 copies, sometimes 24. Can you imagine what that does that to your ego? Now already, a Holy Haunting is going to more than a th thousand, two thousand people in the promotional five-month period, so it's already doing very well. But we do need really smart people like you good-looking and beautiful to begin to critically understand it and share it because that's really what matters in the end. For me, in my heart for the book, going to NYU first is very vulnerable. I hope I don't find any in the garbage cans, you know, those Gen Zs. I don't know if they're going to even value it. I don't even know. It's a very vulnerable process. Um, and I pray that the Holy Spirit moves and people uh, would come closer to faith with it. But that's what we need. So I want to pray for those two things, and let's do what come up. So let's pr pray with me. Father, first we want to pray for the NYU event. We want to pray that your spirit would be present at every box, every care and heart that you're giving to these students. And it wouldn't just be about the cool swag, but the gospel would really be palpable. The presence of God would be palpable, and many would get closer to finding you, because it's not a means. Our end is to present you the good news of the gospel. So we want to pray for your favor on everything, the logistics, on the teams, on every single thing that day, that your favor would be there. Father, we also want to pray uh, for our community as we read the Holy Haunting. This, our community is the first group to read the book physically. And we pray that your spirit would be on it. Because I didn't write the book to make money, to get famous, to get renowned. I wrote the book so that one sheep could find Jesus. And that's the heart behind it. And we want to pray, God, that you would move. And today, as uh, our lay leader with his tender heart, and critical mind preaches on the calling again, calling God calling us to the mission. And from attrition, we pray, God, you speak to us and help us to spread the good news of the gospel. All God's people pray. Amen. Brothers, let's give brothers to a hand. Thank you. I'm taking after Doc today because it is so hot in here, so I hope you guys don't mind that I drink from the straw. Uh, let's put this picture up here. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I actually got to uh, meet up with a whole bunch of friends that I used to work uh, with uh, in Manhattan. Uh, I snuck out of work early, met them up at L&B uh, Spumoni Gardens, and we had some awesome pizza. I see one person shaking his head because he knows how good that pizza is. And we just got together. We got to reminisce over you know, the old days and the good times, and it was really good to see all of them again. And out of the 11 of us that were there, I am the only one that actually had to go to work the next morning because the rest of them are happily retired. 
and I am so happy for them that they are retired, but I am not going to lie. There was a part of me that said, you know what? I'm jealous. I really wish I was retired too. And I think that's kind of a normal thing. We all wish we were retired. We all wish we had made it past the time where we got to wake up every day and go to work and go through the grind and everything like that, right? But for me, it, it hits a little bit differently. Um, the last time Dr. Sammy was up here, he read a quote from a book called The Three Battlegrounds. And uh, if we could put that up. It, there was a quote there that really hit me deep. And uh, the quote was this. It is not long, usually five to ten years in the ministry, and most zeal has waned. Without warning, the minister's call has deteriorated from a walk of vision to a mere job. And this hit me on a couple of different levels. I mean, yes, obviously the ministry part of it did hit me, um, although I'm not going to complain about it too much because I really don't do too much of the heavy lifting uh, around here. Doc does that very, very well with Poison Grace. But it also hit me in my job as well, my actual Monday to Friday, nine to five job. Um, most of you guys know I work in the court system. I'm a law enforcement officer there. I've mentioned before that I'm a little bit more than halfway through my career. Come January, I will have 17 years on the job. It's crazy to think about it that my job, my career has lasted so long that it's almost ready to go to college. And I still have 13 more years to go. And I've actually already got a countdown timer on my phone. The magic number today is 4,826. That's kind of sad that I have that on there already. And um, I, I talk about this because I've said before that our calling and our job are different. My calling is not to be in the court system in and of itself for the purpose of being there. And for all of us, our job, our calling rather, is not to be at our job in and of itself for the sake of that job. Our calling is how we can represent Christ in our social circles, in our spheres of influence, to our friends, to our families, and yes, in our jobs as well. And for me, a big part of my calling, I do believe, is how I can represent Christ in the court system. Um, but in all honesty, and not to try to start a pity fest or anything like this, it's sometimes really, really difficult. Because just to be kind of bluntly honest, sometimes when I go in there and I'm like, I want to represent Christ well today. I want to do everything I can to represent Christ well. But every now and again, and it honestly, it happened this week even, sometimes you will run into people who it feels like their implicit view of you is that you're no better than those cops I saw in 2020. You're just like them. I'm not going to let you get one over on me. And when you're trying to break that kind of stigma, when you're trying to break that kind of view that people may have of you for the sake of Christ-likeness, for the sake of a call, and it just don't work, it gets hard. It gets difficult. Sometimes to the point where I look at those 13 years I have left and I say, I don't know if I'm going to make it. What's my escape plan? What do I do if I just say, no, that's it. I'm running for the hills. I can't do this no more. And I just bail out. I think for a lot of us, we have those moments where in living our call, whether in our job, whether in our circumstances, our spheres of influence, whatever it is, 
there will be times when we get very weary from it. There will be times where we want to wave the white flag and we want to run for the hills. And we just want to throw in the towel. And not only that, just because of the difficulty of living the call, but you throw in the things that are going on in the world, the circumstances of the world and the calamities of the world that weigh down on us. And then you throw in a little bit of spiritual warfare because I hate to break it to you guys, whether you're in ministry or not, if you're living your call in any way, shape or form, you are going to feel that spiritual warfare. It gets to be heavy duty. It gets to be a lot. And it's very easy to be weary and to want to give up. But as I look at you guys, I know that you guys aren't quitters, right? We can endure. We can push through this. We can do this, right? How? That's what we come to today. Dr. Sammy has been talking a lot about different figures in the Bible who have endured weariness in their call, who have endured doubts and trauma and troubles, and they have pushed on and endured. And today we're going to talk about Elijah, one of God's prophets during the Old Testament, and he is at a point in his life where he is very weary from his call, from living his call. And we're going to see how God engages with us when we're weary from the call. And we're going to use this chapter in 1 Kings, in Elijah's experience with God at Mount Horeb. We're going to use that to see what we can do when we're weary from the call. So just a little bit of context on who Elijah is. At this point in time in the Old Testament, um, the kingdom of Israel that we think of, it's actually split into two different kingdoms. There's the northern kingdom of Israel, there's the southern kingdom of Judah. Both of them have separate kings. Both of them have their own troubles with following the Lord. And Elijah is God's prophet to the northern kingdom where a lot of people have fallen into idol worship, where they're starting to worship Baal and Asherah. These are foreign gods that were brought in by the queen of Israel, Solomon by the name of Jezebel. And actually, this is where we get the term Jezebel from, because she wormed her way in there and started to lead the king astray from the Lord. So Elijah is a prophet. He is living his call for God, and he's actually just coming off a great big victory for the Lord. He challenged about a thousand prophets of Baal and Asherah to see which God is real and Obviously, the false god did not show up, but the Lord did. And he proved God exists. He proved that the, the Lord is the one true Lord. And actually, all of these uh, prophets of Baal got put to the sword and put to death. It's a thing that happens in the Old Testament. It happens a lot. But right after this, there is the reaction. There is the response from Jezebel. And this is where we pick up in our scripture today. Now, Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. So he's coming off a great victory, and something happens. Some resistance pushes back. 
and he is running, literally running for the hills. He is weary from living his call. He is scared. He is terrified. And I think a lot of us can kind of empathize with that a little bit when we're living our life for Christ, when we're living our call. Just that one thing happens, and it just sucks the wind right out of us. And the next thing you know, we're ready to throw in the towel. We're ready to quit. And for Elijah, it's even worse. Now, this is a prophet who was so connected with God, so powerful in his prayer life with God, that at one point he said, God, make it not rain in Israel for three and a half years to show that you are the true God. And God did it like that. No rain, no dew, no nothing for three and a half years. And then Elijah prayed, okay, God, turn on the water back again. And God brought the rain once again. This is the kind of like powerful prayers and powerful answers that God would give him. But in the midst of this, what does he do? He doesn't pray for salvation. He doesn't pray for an army to help push back. He says, I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And as Dr. Sammy said, it's a flat-out suicidal ideation. He is ready to just end his own life. And unfortunately, for a lot of us too, sometimes that happens. And as a side note, if anything like that happens to you guys, my phone is always on. I ain't playing about that, all right? Just saying that. So this is what happens to Elijah. This is the situation that he's in, completely weary, completely torn apart. So what does he do? He actually does two very natural things helped along by an angel of the Lord. You guys ready for this? He takes a nap and he gets some sleep. And I'm sure you guys are saying, Stu, you're talking about serious things up here, and now you're saying that when I'm weary from the call, I should have a Snickers because I'm not myself when I'm hungry? Actually, yes, I am. Let's go down to the next part of the passage. It says here, Then he lay down under the brush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread, baked over hot coals, and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah was exhausted. He was completely burned out. And I know that we can kind of understand that. I mean, we're all New Yorkers here. This is the city that never sleeps. If we ain't burned out, I don't know who is burned out, right? So we know that feeling of being completely burned out. And God addressed this burnout first and foremost by tending to Elijah's need for food and for rest. I, um, in researching this sermon, I saw a, uh, sur a uh, survey from 2020, which is a year I'm sure none of us were burned out from, right? And it said that 75% of employees reported being burned out at their job. 76% of employees said that their burnout and their bad experiences from their job affected their mental health. And of all of those people who said that they were burned out from their job, those people were 23% more likely to have to go to the emergency room. There is a physical toll 
to being weary, to being burned out, to being exhausted. And I know, I always make the difference between your job is your job and your call is your call. But if you can get exhausted from your job to this level, you can certainly be exhausted from your call to this level as well. And the solution they found in this survey was for people to disconnect from their job for a little bit, to take a break, to learn to set up those boundaries between their work and their home life. And sometimes God even recognizes that we need to take a break from our call sometimes. And God is actually fine with that. I know for a lot of us, we're workaholics, we're perfectionists, and especially if we're on fire for Christ and we want to live that call, we want to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and keep going. But eventually, it catches up to you. Eventually, you do need rest. Over the years, I've had the chance to be part of many conversations with many people going through difficult times in their lives. And we used to do House of Prayer in Staten Island back in the day, and we would do it for hours and hours at a time. And at the end of each and every one of these sessions, at the end of these just draining, exhausting spiritual sessions, you know what we did? We went out and we ate because you need that food when you are drained from spiritual activity. You absolutely do. Let's put this picture up. Back in the day when we used to do two services, when we would do service here in Manhattan and then we would go back to Staten Island, or in the days when we were first starting to do Day in the Sun and we didn't exactly know what we were doing and we were bringing probably too much stuff and lugging it all around and working hard, we would stop at Sonic in Bayonne, New Jersey on the way home because we needed that food. We needed the, that meal. And then when we got back to the staff guy's house, everybody picked a piece of the floor and if you were lucky, you got a piece of the couch and we just took a power nap to get ready for the next thing that was coming. You see, again, we're workaholics, we're perfectionists. We want to live that call that God has for us. But we also have to recognize that there are going to be times when we need to rest. And God is perfectly fine with us taking that rest. He is the one who gives us that rest. Psalm 23, it's one of the most famous psalms out there. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I lack. He lies me down in green pastures. He sets me beside quiet waters. He calms my soul. Matthew 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And sometimes that rest is in a supernatural way. Sometimes you just get that, <clears throat> that, that charge from God. But sometimes it's very simple. You need a nap. You need a burger. You need a snack. And God is okay with that. So that, I think, is the first thing that we can see from Elijah's time on Mount Horeb. Let's put this point up. When we're weary from living our call, God will give you rest. When we look at Genesis, God even took a rest after he created the world. Six days of work, and he took a Sabbath on the seventh. If God needs to take a day off, how much more do you think we need to take a day off every now and again? Now, if you're always living that fight, always living that call, always on top of that, great. That's awesome. God bless you for doing that. But there will be times when we need to recognize that we are weary. And the point is not to just keep fighting and be burned out from it, but the point is to find that rest with God. Before we burn out, before we wave the white flag, before we say, I have had enough, Lord, take my life, I am no better than my ancestors. 
God knew that Elijah needed it. He knows that we need it sometimes too. So we can turn to God in those times when we need rest. And again, sometimes it's going to be a supernatural thing. Sometimes we're just going to get that recharge right there and get ready to go. And sometimes God is going to say, have a Snickers. You're not yourself when you're hungry. So my question for you guys is, do you need rest? And I'm serious. Do you need that time to just step back for a moment and take a breather? Because we can't run on zeal and coffee. Believe me, I've tried. It doesn't work. We need that rest. And God is there to give us that rest in all the ways that it can possibly come. So that's step one when we're wearing from the call. God is going to give us rest. Let's take a look at the next passage here. So we come to Elijah. He's already at Mount Horeb, and he hears God speak to him. And there he went into the cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. So Elijah gives God a piece of his mind. He's laying it out exactly what he's going through. And God is fully willing to have that conversation with Elijah. God is not shying away from that conversation. He wants to have that conversation with Elijah. But he wants Elijah to know who exactly it is that he's speaking to. That's where we continue on. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountain, tore the mountain apart, and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a great fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So Elijah had to fight to recognize God's voice. Through all of these natural disasters and all of these calamities that were going on in front of him, he had to recognize that God was not in all of these calamities, and he had to push them to the side. And don't forget, He's seeing all of these, na these natural calamities and disasters on top of the fact that he's still feeling like he is a failure of a prophet and that he is going to die because they're coming after him. So all of this put together, all of these things weighing on top of him, he had to push past to listen to God's quiet whisper to listen to his familiar voice. You guys remember a couple of months ago when I was up here and I was saying, how do we make sense of God's call for us? We have to listen to that familiar voice. We have to listen to that quiet whisper of God once again. And it's easy to miss when we are overwhelmed. It's easy to miss when there are so many calamities going on before us. I mean, we look at the world today, and there are so many calamities going on as well. We've got the economy. We've got elections. We've got war in Europe, and we've got North Korea acting up again. There's a lot to be worried about. But the thing is, God is not speaking in those things. God is not in those things. He is in that quiet whisper 
to us. And we have to pay attention to that. We have to push past all the calamities that can distract us, all the calamities that can take our attention away from him, and pay attention to that voice that he uses to speak to us, because he does want to speak to us. He does want that conversation with us. He does want to come to us in the midst of our calamities, in the midst of our traumas, in the midst of our weariness, to hear what it is he has to say. And I think that's the thing that we see in this next point here. When we are weary from the call, how does God engage with us? He will whisper to you once again. Maybe just like Elijah, we need to vent to God. We need to just lay it out all on the table and kind of emotionally vomit to what is going on in our lives and say, God, this is where I'm at. Maybe we need to listen to God's voice and hear where he is refocusing our attention. Maybe he needs to remind us of what that call was in the first place and why it's so important. Maybe we need to get his perspective because our perspective isn't quite objective enough to see where we're really at. But that's not going to happen if we're so distracted by all of the other things going on in the world that we miss the gentle whispers of God. And however you got to do it, and there are a million different ways that we can pay attention to God's voice, that's what we have to do. It doesn't matter if you're the type of person like I am where you need to just sit down and journal for a little bit, whether it's five minutes or whether it's for an hour or whatever time in between. Maybe you're the kind of person that just needs to lock yourself in a closet and pray fervently for a while. Maybe you like to play music or you like to listen to music to let God's voice speak to you. Maybe you need to go through a park and listen to God's voice chirping through the birds. However you do it, God is willing to talk with you. He's willing to communicate with you. He's willing to whisper to you in your weariness and speak with you again so that we can be guided by him. It's just a matter of pushing past all the din and all the chaos of the world so that we pay attention to what he is saying to us in that still soft voice of his once again. So my question to you guys today is, where do you need to get that reconnection with God? How do you connect with God? How do you listen to him once again? And how can you block out all of the chaos, all of the trauma, all the things that are getting in the way of listening to God. And I'm not saying like don't care about the things going on in the world, don't you know care about, I'm not telling you to be apathetic to them. I'm just saying that there are moments when we need to push them aside and listen to God's voice so that he can address them, so that he can speak to us in what our call is, in what we can do to push through the weariness and address them. And I actually think that's the next thing that we can see from this passage. Yes, this is a three-point sermon. We're almost there. Don't get weary on me. Go to the next point, or go to the next passage here. So, again, Elijah is now in God's presence. And God wanted to speak with Elijah. And Elijah is more than willing to oblige. And he says in this verse here, He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Again, Elijah is just being 100% real with God. 
And again, maybe sometimes we feel like, I don't want to be that real with God. I don't want to put God on blast or something like that. That's like blasphemy or something like that, right? No. It's actually perfectly normal, perfectly fine, 100% encouraged for you to be blatantly honest with God where you're at. Because if you're not honest with God about where you're at, how is God going to be honest with you about where he's speaking to you, about how he is encouraging you, how he is leading you? That honesty is important in that. And Elijah is 100% honest about where his problems are and where his struggles are and why he is so weary and why he feels like an absolute abject failure as a prophet. But the thing is, in his weariness, in his tiredness, in his trauma, he doesn't have a full objective perspective of where he's at and what God is doing. And that's where God comes in. And he addresses every single one of Elijah's problems, one by one. And this is what it says. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Maholah, I think I got that right, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. So in the midst of this, in the midst of Elisha just putting out all of his issues, all of his concerns, God addresses them one at a time. He feels like a complete failure for not turning the king of Israel away from idol worship and from sinning against the Lord. And God's solution is not a problem. Let's get a new king in there. Not only one king, he actually says, let's anoint two kings, one for Israel, one for a neighboring country. And that king will help end this king's reign. He will put him out and his family out so that one who loves me can actually reign as king. Elijah feels like he has no help in his calling, that he is the last prophet and he's going to be put to death. So God says, I am going to give you a helper. I'm going to give you a successor. This is the person who will carry on your mission and help you in your call. He's addressing that as well. And Elijah feels like a failure because he's completely lost the entirety of the nation of Israel and no one is worshiping the Lord. But God says there are still 7,000 people who have not bowed to Baal. He is addressing all of his concerns and saying there is hope and there is help coming. You're not done with your call yet, but there is a reason to keep going. There's hope that this is not the end, that you are not an abject failure. And there is help coming to help you in your call. Sometimes we're in the midst of being weary from the call we need to know that we're not struggling pointlessly. We need to know that there is help and there is hope. And that's what God gives to Elijah here. And he does the same thing in our lives too. And I wanna to tell just a couple of quick stories. Um, the first is that uh, a couple of months ago, um, I was starting to feel overwhelmed. I was starting to feel burnt out because every Sunday I was coming in and I was doing a million and a half things. 
helping with setup, helping with the laptops, helping with the mixer. If Paul was preaching, then I had to be on the mixer, but sometimes I'd be scheduled to do the laptop or I'd be scheduled to do announcements and I'd have to trade places with somebody and then this, that, the other thing, driving me out of my mind. Thankfully, there was a lot of help coming and I was able to leave some of those jobs behind because so many more people were coming to do announcements, coming to do the laptop. And I just wanna say to all you guys that have been helping out, thank you. Thank you so much because it does make a difference. It really does. Um, and it was something that I had to fight with because I didn't want to, you know, give up. I didn't want to, you know, leave it. But I needed that kind of like reshuffling of my perspective that these are things that I don't have to do because there is help to take care of those things and I can focus on other things. So that's one way that I feel like God was showing me that there was help. Um, one way that he was showing me hope, I um, actually want to read something. Some of you guys may recognize a card like this. This was uh, from Justin and Riao's wedding. Uh, and they put out these cards so that we would know where we were sitting, but in each of the cards they had a little note. And I got Justin's permission, and I'm going to read what he wrote, and I'm going to hope that I don't cry up here. Dear Stu, I can feel it already. Thank you so much for coming to our wedding. Thank you so much for being a part of this community. Sometimes I feel like it's hard to connect with people in the community because of my differences in my career, upbringing, and even history with the community. I've felt distance with community before, but hearing you speak up and share of your experiences through sermons have inspired me to embrace who I am and to open up to others, to myself and to God. I wish you the best and I'm glad to call you my brother and my friend. Thank you, Justin. I don't know what more I can say other than this helped more than he could imagine, I think. I don't like to cry at weddings or up here, but this got me close. Got me close a couple of times. So in the interest of not crying, I'm just going to say let's go on to the next point. God will give you hope and help when we are weary from that call, when we push past all the calamities and all the things and we have that honest conversation with God about where we're at, he will address those areas in our lives and he will tell us that there is hope, that there is still work to do, but you are strong to do it because I am there to give you that hope. And you are not alone in doing that because there is help. And it's not just God who helps us, but it is people. Take a look to your left, take a look to your right. These are the people that will help you. And if you're doing all right in your walk with Christ, if you're doing all right in your call, maybe you need to tell somebody, hey, you're the one that helped me out. You're the one that helped spur me on. You can be their help. You can restore their hope that living their call does make a difference. It is possible to endure and to thrive in it. Believe me. If it can get me to almost cry up here, it's real. It makes a difference. So, where do you need God to give you hope? Where do you need God to give you help once again? And if you're doing just fine, whose help and whose hope can you be? Who can you spur on in that moment? When we're weary from the call, we need to remember, God will give us rest. Sometimes it's supernatural. Sometimes it's very natural. 
He is there to listen to us, to whisper to us, if we can just push past all the calamities and all the nonsense of the world and just pay attention to his voice, he will whisper to us. He will listen to us. And even if we put him on blast and just say, this is what's going on, God, what the F? God will say, this is what's going on. There is help and there is hope. And I hope that for you guys, this will help you when you are weary with the call so that you can endure and push on and continue to live your call well. Would you guys stand with me and pray? Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you are a living presence in our lives, that you are there and available to us to speak with, to know our struggles, to give us rest, and to give us hope and to give us help. I pray, God, that in any way that we are weary today, that you would be there, engaged in our lives, giving us that rest, giving us your voice, your attention, giving us that hope and giving us that help. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the tradition, Remote services during the holidays, like Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year. And one of the reasons why we're doing a remote is to give all the volunteers a break. Let's give all the volunteers, everyone, let's give them a hand right now. I mean, you're doing an awesome job. Sometimes um, in the microscopic humdrum moments of our lives, even when you're volunteering with, with Sunday school or writing synopsis for the sermon, or doing PowerPoint, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it gives someone else rest that, that, that they need. And it encourages them to know that they're not alone uh, in this attrition, this spiritual war, and the physical weariness that takes place, the 52 weeks. And th the truth is, the church never really rests because people need the Lord, but we do need rhythms of rest. And so for, we're going to be announcing for this Thanksgiving, the fourth service would be remote so people, families could be together. For example, my wife turned 33. I mean, something else. I stopped counting. Um, yesterday, we had the best time because the whole family, including our teenage son, ate three meals together which was my wife's wish, which is like a rare occasion at the house. And that was only possible because Stu was preaching. So he was suffering with the weariness of war. You know, you don't know how difficult it is to speak up here with the IQ everybody has here. It's not that high, but I mean, you know what I, I mean? And it takes a lot of internalizing. I mean, from the sermon to everyone in the back, someone serving coffee, it makes the mission keep going. And so we are the body. So I want you to think as we end the year how you can encourage one another, how you can give a little note, how you can say, you've encouraged me, thank you, I'm grateful. Little gestures 
are more powerful, I realize, after living 40-something years. The humdrum moments is when we need the light of God the most, not in the mountaintop. So I want to encourage you today, wherever you are in the call, wherever you are in the fog of spiritual war, as a seeker, you might be going through a lot of distractions and warfare. As a believer, you might be weary from serving. But I want to just let you know that your sacrifice, your heart, and your time is being used to build his kingdom. And we're going to end the rest as we go to the end of the year. So thank you for all who are serving. Thank you for all who are seeking and who make this mission in this community possible. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, we come before you. We thank you for our brother Stu sharing this heavy message of weariness and being honest. In fact, if you read the Psalms, all David does is curse to God. Always questioning and doubting. And in fact, if you prayed to God and you haven't let some explicit come out, I mean, I don't know if you're really praying. You might be just reading the Lord's Prayer or something. You got to be honest. And that's really refreshing when you let the venting session happen before God. So I encourage you today, whatever that might be driving you crazy, vent to God about it. Process with God. Because when you process and vent to God, it's actually healthy. There are scientific studies on that right now. But when you vent to other people, it could be toxic. Because they're not omni-omniscient. They don't know how to differentiate truth and process. But God does. So I give you permission today to be honest with God as you go to the end of the year. So Holy Spirit, we want to pray today that you would guide us in our weariness. You would give us rest. You would give us people. You would give us encouragement to remind us that we're not alone. What a powerful message today about being and struggling on the bus, struggle bus together. That we're all in it together and we're all here for each other. Thank you for that word. Will you bow your heads for the benediction today? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people pray. Amen. Let the, let the shalom of God go with you today. God bless you. Go in peace. Happy Sunday. My name is Ash Ketchum. Just kidding. It's me, Haley. Um, and I'm a member here at 180 Church. And I'll be sharing some community news with you today. First off, let's talk about how we can give. If you're a member here at 180 Church, we ask that you continue to keep God in the, at the center of your finances and to tithe faithfully, which you can do using Zelle, Venmo, and PayPal. If you're a visitor here with us today, we welcome you to our service and there's no financial obligation to give. But if you'd like to make a donation, you can do so with the methods above. Our next announcement is about all the ways you can connect with God and others in our community. 
We have our Bible reading group, 180BRG. You can join us at any time to read the Bible. Feel free to follow along and feed your soul with the Word of God. We also have a number of other ways we can stay connected, including our church's Facebook page, Dr. Sammy's Twitter page, and our YouTube page. We are live every Sunday for service through YouTube, so you can always watch this, watch and re-watch the sermon and stay connected with us. Next, we have resources. We have some powerful resources that are available for you to purchase at the cafe to help us connect with God daily. A Holy Haunting, written by Dr. Sammy, is a great resource to help others connect with God, wherever they may be in their faith journey. And we just got word that A Holy Haunting will be going to ministry centers on every Ivy League campus plus Stanford with Dr. Sammy's partnership with the Christian Union in tandem with a discussion of a speaking tour on all nine campuses. So this is truly amazing, and we're really hoping to reach lots of people and draw them closer to have a relationship with God and experience God's love. So can you please keep this in prayer? For God's hand of blessing and favor in all that our Father is doing with the Christian Union, and that a holy haunting will help catalyze mission on campus, and that, that many will join God's family. So let's continue to pray for your family and friends with the gospel and join God on mission. Now, while you're at the cafe, you can also pick up some 180 merch. It is hoodie season now, and it's a perfect time to pick up your 180 sweater or top to hug you in all the right ways. There's a collection of sweatshirts to keep you warm and cozy, and all purchases are based on an honor system and can be purchased the same ways that I mentioned before. Next, we have small groups. Small groups are a great way to connect with others in our community and go deeper into the message. We have various groups for different stages. Please see the screen for the times and places. Some meet on Zoom or like through the, the phone, like the video chatting, and some meet in person. So if you need any additional info, please speak to any of the greeters in 180 shirts or hoodies. If you need or want prayer, we invite you to email us at 180, uh, sorry, at prayer at 180church.tv. There will be a team praying for you on the other end and everything is confidential. We encourage you to reach out and ask for prayer. Finally, we are looking for volunteers to help serve in many different areas in our community. First, we have the cafe bookstore. Come help wake people up both literally and spiritually. We have Sunday school. Come help our littlest members get to know the love of Jesus. And then we have, we need techies. Come help us build really cool stuff online. And then greeters, come help all feel welcome and be the friendly faces of our community. So if you're interested, please see any one of our greeters in 180 hoodies or anyone in the cafe and they will help you get connected. Finally, we're still looking for your support to help raise money for the annual 180 care package event. 180 Fellowship throws this event every year and they create care packages for students at NYU so they can experience the love of Christ. We are looking to raise $2,000 to help cover the costs and we have an anonymous donor who will match up to a thousand in donations. We have partnered with three businesses and collaborated with over 10 Christian clubs and ministries. Please keep this event in prayer that these students will feel seen and cared for. If you'd like to support, you can with the methods I mentioned before. So those are all of our announcements today.